Hi there, my name is Jake Reiner, and welcome to Meeting on the Mound. If you love baseball the way I do, you've tuned into the right podcast. Each episode, I will try to give you a unique perspective of a game that we love, although it doesn't always love us back. In fact, it treats us poorly more times than it doesn't. Baseball can be cruel. Even the best hitters of all time, Willie Mays, Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, Ted Williams, and Ty Cobb, all with career batting averages over 300, failed almost 70% of the time to get at least a base hit. I can tell you, I will be rooting for this new podcast to hit a little better than 300 for its career. These days, there are countless new ways to measure success on the field. It's become far more complicated than just batting average or earned run average. There's barrel rate, spin rate, wins above replacement, exit velocity, launch angle, catch probability, ERA+, plus, OPS+, plus, and WHIP, which is walks, hits, plus innings pitched, just to name a few. As avid fans, we pay attention to those numbers. They may help us understand why our teams are winning or why they're struggling. But overall, we want one thing, to see that dogpile of our players on the pitcher's mound celebrating a World Series championship. I've been waiting my entire life for that day. I was born after 1988, the most recent year my beloved Dodgers won it all. Each season after that has been a gut punch. We've had some wonderful teams, teams that have had the potential to win it all. But baseball doesn't care about potential. You still have to make the playoffs and win an additional 11 games. This year, it's an additional 13 games. You always hear people say baseball is boring. There's nothing going on. Everyone is just standing around. But baseball is intricate, and there's a lot more going on than is evident to the casual fan. Before each pitch is thrown, the fielders, the batter, the pitcher, both managers, all have a seemingly endless amount of things to consider. The score, the inning, how many outs, the count, how many runners on base, are those runners fast, are they slow, what are the batter's tendencies? What are the pitcher's tendencies? On a 3-0 pitch, does the batter get the green light? With two strikes, should he still bunt? Is bunting even a good thing to do anymore? All of that before each pitch is thrown. Once it is, then that same thought process begins again. In trying to make the sport more appealing to younger fans, Major League Baseball has attempted to shorten games. Things like introducing a pitch clock, having a three-batter minimum rule for relievers, and taking away the requirement to throw four wide ones for an intentional walk. But I truly believe the new rules won't make a difference in bringing in new fans. What will make a difference is fathers and mothers passing the love of this game down to their sons and daughters. That is how I fell in love with baseball. My grandfather passed it down to my father, and my father passed it down to me. Which brings us to our first episode together. I am dedicating this one to my late grandfather, Carl Reiner, and my still-living father, Rob Reiner, who without him, I literally wouldn't be here today. Depending on when you're listening to this podcast, you may have already seen the World Series, you may still be in the current postseason format that we're in, or wherever you are. I just have to talk about this one thing, because this playoff format is ridiculous. Now, I understand 
The COVID-19 pandemic has forced Major League Baseball to make a ton of different changes. You got the 60-game schedule, the DH in both leagues, so on and so forth. But right before the season began, the owners and players union agreed to this just absolutely moronic playoff format that we are currently experiencing or have just experienced. First of all, you've got a number of teams that have absolutely no business being there in the first place. The Milwaukee Brewers and Houston Astros became the first teams in Major League history to make the playoffs with losing records. That's a stat that should never happen. Next, the seeding was all messed up. Under normal circumstances, the Los Angeles Dodgers should not be facing the San Diego Padres in the division series. The Dodgers have the best record in the National League, and the Padres have the second best record. But with the way the seeding was designed, the Padres ranked fourth behind the other two division winners, the Braves and Cubs. So now, the Dodgers have to face the team with the second best record in the league in a best of five series. To me, that series should be the National League Championship Series, not the divisional round. There's been some rumors being thrown around of extending this ridiculous playoff format beyond this season. And while it does give 16 teams a shot at the postseason instead of the normal eight, so you got teams like the Marlins and the Tigers feeling really special up until the end, there's really no incentive to have the best record in the league. I think in order to make it fair, the teams with the best records in each league should not have to play a three-game do-or-die series to advance to the divisional round. From the start, the seeding should rank the teams with the best records, regardless of division. And to that point, furthermore, the cheating 29-31 and 31 Houston Astros should not have the opportunity to beat the 36-24 and 24 Minnesota Twins in a three-game series. And regardless if the Twins have a postseason losing streak of 18 games, the Astros shouldn't be in the playoffs to begin with, but at least allow the Twins a chance to come back 0-2 in a best-of-five series. Because, let's face it, they earned the right. The Astros did not. Honestly, I think the whole expanded playoffs idea is stupid and should be scrapped anyway. Finally, and I've thought this for years, let's join the NBA and make every round a best of seven. What is the baseball can can be played on multiple days. And when you're not dealing with the NBA bubble, they separate those games by at least a day or two, depending on travel. So the NBA playoffs lasts a long time. I don't think it would extend the baseball playoffs that much, to be honest, because you can play on multiple days in a row. And let's face it, let's force the under 500 Astros who played the 36 and 24 Oakland Athletics in the, in the divisional round, let's force them to beat that team four times to advance to the next round. So this episode is not just dedicated to my grandfather and father just for kicks. We have a special treat for you. Before my grandfather passed, he gave an interview with me along with my dad. And this is the final interview that he gave talking about the sport that he loves most dearly, which is baseball. And we have a treat for you to be able to share that interview with you right now. And I think you'll find it fascinating, as did I. And to me personally, it's something that I'll always cherish because it is something that I will have for the rest of my life. Take a listen. 
better guests to start off my first show here than to have my grandfather, my father, Carl Reiner, and Rob Reiner as we talk about the game we all love, baseball. Because of your grandfather, he introduced me to baseball and made, gave me the love of baseball. I passed it on to you, give you the love of baseball, and every summer when you were young, I would take you to ballparks around the country. Your father is a baseball fan since he's four years old. I took him to see a Yankee game, a doubleheader. In Yankee over, Stadium. At Yankee Stadium. After the first game, I was going to go home. It was four years old. He wanted to see the second game. He sat through two games. There's a baseball <laughs> fan for you. Yeah. Ingrained, ingrained. And it was 1951, which was... Uh, Mickey Mantle's first season in the major leagues. It was the end of uh, DiMaggio's career, and I saw DiMaggio and Mantle each play in a, in a game there. It was an incredible. Yeah. Whitey Ford pitched one game, Ed Lopat pitched the other. <laughs> I'll never forget. It's crazy to think nowadays it, you would never expect a Giants fan to jump ship and be a Dodgers fan and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and in this case, both of you guys were New York Giants fans, became Dodgers fans. For different reasons. For different reasons. One, because of Jackie Robinson and me, because they got rid of my, my hero, Willie Mays. And there was talk about bringing up the first black baseball player and the name Jackie Robinson came up. And I followed him every day. The first day out, they started calling him all kinds of names. And he, he answered by hitting a home run the first day and getting four, three hits. And I followed him every day in the, in the, you know, in the newspaper. To, to, and that's how I became a Dodger fan, because I was a Giant fan. And I remember every member of that team, Mel Ott, of course, was the big home run hitter. He hit seven. 511. 511. 511 you, for you, a career. Carl Hubble was the pitcher of renown. There on the mound was Freddie Fitzsimmons, fat Freddie Fitzsimmons. So in my team for the Giants, when I became a Giant fan, in the outfield you had uh, Monty Irvin, Willie Mays, and Don Mueller. And that was a big deal for me because I love Willie Mays. He was my idol. And so at the end of his career, when he was traded to the Mets... I got so enraged oh, yeah, at the sure. end, and I said, screw it, because I was still a Giant fan <laughs> yeah. when we moved to California. Right. And then when they got rid of Mays, I said, that's it. And then I became a Dodger fan. That's, when I was growing up, my favorite player was Sean Green. And in the third grade, I had a birthday party, and you, know, you arranged for us to go to the ballpark and meet the players. Leading up to that, we decided to create the worst-looking sculpture. You couldn't even describe what it was. Yeah. It was a blob of clay. Yeah. and It I, was the worst thing anybody's ever created. We wrapped it up in a crappy little way and we brought it to the ballpark. We gave it to Sean Green and he opened it and he was really nice about it. And he was like, oh, wow, thanks. And had this look of like, what the hell is this? And he said he said he would keep it in his locker if he hit a home run. And that day he hit two home runs. Yeah. It was the greatest Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. It's like a, it's like a storybook. It's like, right. like you couldn't write but it. Then, yeah. But then on top of that, a few years later, while we were going on our baseball trip, we're He's now playing for the Diamondbacks. And you're quietly rooting for him to do well. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, of yeah. course. And I remember we were talking to him on the on-deck circle, and we right. asked him about that weird sculpture. But he told us that he actually kept that that horrible-looking yes. sculpture in his locker room after <laughs> that game. Yeah, because and, and he hit a home run that day. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about ballplayers. They are so superstitious. 
I don't doubt that he kept that. Uh, oh yeah, that he kept that that, that little sculpture. He hit two home runs that day. I took you one time. Uh, it was an All Star game in Pittsburgh. Yeah. at uh, PNC Park, and we're in the locker room. Bill Mazeroski was there, so I go up to Bill Mazeroski, who hit one of the fam- most famous home runs in the history of baseball against the Yankees. He hits a home run in the last game. In the seventh game yeah. for the Pirates to win the World Series against the Yankees. And I go up to Mazeroski and I say to him, I am responsible for you hitting that home run yeah. in the seventh game. That's true. And he says, really, how? And I said, well, I was 13 years old. I was in gym class at high school and I had bet on the, uh, on the Pirates because I couldn't stand the Yankees. And the game is starting, and they let us, during gym class, listen to it on the radio, because that was they allowed us to do. And the Yankees jump out to a lead, and then I get in this position like this, and I start to go like this, and all of a sudden, the Pirates start to come back. I turn to my friend Bob Lowe, who's sitting next to me. I said, Bob, get in this position. He gets in that position, and all of a sudden, the the pirates keep moving. Then all of a sudden, he moves. I said, no, 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 stay, stay in this position. We stayed in this position, and sure enough, by the end, Mazeroski hits the home run. They win. I tell this to Mazeroski. He says, thank God you stayed in that position. And he was sincere (laughs) about it. He was absolutely sincere. That's how (laughs) ballplayers are that superstitious. There's something about baseball that, like you say, is different than any other sport. There's no time limit. There's an existential Yet. thing. <laughs> well, yeah, there's an existential thing to baseball where, and, for, and until they had the, uh, the designated hitter, it was the only team sport where you had to do everything involved in the sport. In other words, you could play football and never touch the football, or you could be blocker or whatever. In baseball, you have to be able to catch, throw, and get up there with a stick in your hand and try to hit the ball. It's the only sport where the defense starts the play, and you, as an offensive guy, when you're part of a team, even though you're part of a whole team, just like in life, you're also all alone, just like in life. And it's the only sport that... The only sport where you're all alone when you're up at bat. Nobody can help you. And you're all alone on the mound. You're all alone. Nobody can help. Well, you've got a catcher who's helping you with signals. Right, but But you've got to throw the pitch. By the way... way, And and you are, are there by yourself. Now, when you come home, everybody cheers you for coming home. Hey, he's home. He's just back. like you know the uh, the 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 guy goes and kills an animal. He goes and uh, yeah, he comes home. He's got the food. He's got the bacon. This is a game that mirrors life, and in the weird kind of existential way, there's just as much territory fair as there is foul. It's a it's a bizarre game in that way, but it, it, it's like no other. What game. I what I love about it is that there is so much going on when nothing's happening. Yes. So when the play is not even occurring, there's so much going on. The players are shifting into position. The pitchers going through the signs with the right. catcher. There's situational, you know, are you going to throw a fastball 2-1? Are you going to throw a curveball in the dirt? The batter's thinking, okay, so if I'm, if I'm up 2-1, am I going to get a fastball here? What's this pitcher's tendency? There's so much going on when nothing's yeah. happening. Because baseball is a game like no other game. Football, you have to wait a whole week. Baseball, every day you open the newspaper to see how many 
hits people got, how many runs they got. It's, a, it's a, an ongoing thing for the whole summer. You can't wait for the baseball season because there's a game every day. Thank you, guys. Thank for... you. I loved hearing you guys talk about our country's most important export. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Watch out for, for more episodes on the way. This is going to be an exciting podcast. It's an appreciation of baseball. And we're going to have a ton of prominent guests, celebrities, former athletes sharing their stories and never before heard stories as well. So uh, hopefully you guys tune in and obviously like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is going to be a fun ride and hopefully you guys will tag along with me.